You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. Happy birthday, Life City Church. It is such an honor to be part of your world. And Tanya and I are just so delighted to be your pastors. Thank you for having us. And thank you also today for having us in your homes. If you're tuning in for the very first time, you're going to be so blessed. This is our fourth birthday service. It's an anniversary. And uh, it's a time of celebration for us. And you saw earlier uh, a tour of the facility that we're about to move into And we really need your help to make these things happen. So there's so much dreams, so much hope. I mean, think about a four-year-old kid. He's uh, he's a toddler. He's going to be starting school next year, preppy. And uh, so they're so full of promise and so full of life. And that's where we are as a church. It has been our greatest delight to be able to bring you this good news on our fourth birthday. We're moving into a permanent facility. And it's because of your generous donations and those of you that are giving your tithes and offerings, thank you so much. And we hope that you will consider as well uh, from this point forward giving just generous donations and not to us, it's for the Lord. And we believe truly that God will use this church to touch this whole city. That's why we strategically call this church Live City Church. And like me, you've probably been seeing the news, so much of the news, and uh, what happened with George Floyd. If you uh, don't know the name George Floyd, you must be sleeping under a rock or something, but everyone has heard this name now. Uh, A man that was uh, sadly uh, killed when he was supposed to be looked after by men in authority, who, yes, he did something wrong, but the way that he was mistreated has caused an outcry the world over. Perhaps some of this outcry was fueled by the collective frustration of millions of people who have been pent up under COVID-19 restrictions. Perhaps it's because of, uh, as a result of these restrictions with deaths and financial loss, unemployment, perhaps even the loss of businesses. Or perhaps this is the culmination of years of frustration, of racism, And George Floyd's death was the final straw to tip the scales of justice. Before I go on, it's important to state that I'm not making a statement of support over the recent mob rallies, the destruction, the injury to protesters, or even uh, the, the cruel treatment by police officers. I'm not saying anything about any of these things. I'm simply reflecting that this is a problem. And Floyd's death has triggered demonstrations and protests in more than 75 U.S. cities and around the world, including close to home right now in Australia. Uh, There's been movements against police brutality, police racism, and a lack of police accountability. 15,000 are expected to gather in Perth. And more than 10,000 marched in Melbourne, 10,000 in Brisbane, and 20,000 gathered in Sydney. In reflecting on these news, it made me recall the racism that I grew up with towards the end of the white Australia policy in the 1970s. Being a mixed-race kid, 
I cop racism from both white Australians and even among Indonesian people, of which I'm part Indonesian. Asian cultures value white skin. I know, fairer skin over the darker skins, even among the Asians. And so there's even racism there among our own people. And this has had an effect on a young person. You know, we're impressionable in those young days. We're trying to discover who we are in this world. As a result, there was a certain level of frustration that I felt growing up. There was a certain level of self-doubt about being accepted. A certain level of self-loathing about myself because of the color of my skin, which I couldn't control. It made me feel that I wasn't good enough and perhaps to look down on others to make myself feel better about myself because I feel so terribly, this loathing. But praise God for his incredible restoration in my life. If you're feeling those kinds of things, reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. But I want to tell you this hope. And this reminded me of the story in Numbers chapter 13. I'd like you to turn there now to Numbers chapter 13, and we will be reading from verse 26. Numbers 13, verse 26. And while you're turning there, I want to provide some context to the story we're about to read. The people of Israel, who we will be talking about, had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years, over 400 years. That does something to a person. To have grown up as a slave, as a son of a slave, a grandson of a slave, great-great-grandson, generations of people who are slaves. This was the first time that they saw hope. This was the first time that they dared to dream dreams. They left Egypt through incredible miracles, signs, and wonders. In fact, they were walking in miracles every single day. And God promised to bring them into a land where they could settle and grow. And just before they walked in, 12 spies, one spy who was a head of a tribe over Israel, each of them a nation of themselves. So one person from each tribe, 12 in total, were given specific instructions to spy out the land, collect some of its fruit, understand what are the people like, try and figure this out. You know, what are their weaknesses? What are their strengths? And they were to bring back this report so that the leaders would know what to do next. Numbers chapter 13, verse 26, let's read together, says this. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. For those of you that don't know, the Bible tells us that there was the fruit, like you consider a cluster of grapes for us is about that big. We can lift it up with one, you know, two fingers. With them, the Bible says it took two men to put a stick between them as they slung over one cluster of grapes. That's how massive the fruit was in this land. And they gave this account to Moses. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But, there's always a problem there when you say but, because everything that you said before that has now been negated. You know, you're a a really smart person, but, well, now they're going to say you're stupid. You know, you are such a good looking person, but, (laughs) you get the point of what I'm trying to say. Here's that great big but. The people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified 
and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. In case you don't know this, Anak and his descendants, the Anakites, were all giants. In fact, the Bible tells us there were lots and lots of giants in the land. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. That's what we call exaggeration. It, the land devours people living in it. All the people, <laughs> I mean, they didn't see everyone. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. Fallen angels, by the way. Another story, another time. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Let me tell you, there's a lot of assumptions going on there. We seem like this in our own eyes. And they... We look the same to them, like grasshoppers. Did they talk to every giant to find this out? How do they find this information out? There's, they're taking some large steps in trying to make a point. Now, you may tisk those 10 spies. That's because we know the eventual outcome in the story. But imagine you are facing your giant. Now, think about this for a moment. The giants you're facing. Giants of finance, giants of unemployment, job, uh, giants of being in a job where the boss hates you or you hate the job and it feels like you've hit the ceiling, you've hit the wall, you can go no further, you feel small, you feel inferior and you cannot move ahead in any part of your life. For some of you, your marriage is destroyed, utterly undone. It will never be put back together again and you feel that the end has come and there will never be a place to go back. For some of you right now, you've lost your children. They moved away from the Lord. They're doing things that you, you know, I, didn't, I raised you better than this. And you feel that everything is hopeless. Giants. How are you responding to your giants? Because the ten spies, all they could see were giants and they could not see beyond the giants. They could not see past the giants. But I want to tell you, when God makes a promise... He will surely deliver. But here's the thing. When God makes a promise, you have to fight for it. God promised the land. Do you think that the people would just bow down and hand it over? I want to give a, a few key things that I'm hoping that you can take into your spirit today. And I hope that it will change your life. I feel this is from the Spirit of God. Here's the first one. You have to fight for your promises. Some of you have remained in the same state of your life, whether it is spiritually speaking, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your finance and the things that you've just been experiencing, what you've just accepted for the past 10, 20, for some of you, 30 years or more. You have made no attempt to change. And somehow you're either holding on to a false belief that God will drop every promise into your lap. Or you've come to accept less in life 
And you may even believe that this actually honors God. I'm not talking about being satisfied with what God has blessed you with. I'm talking about settling for less than what God promised. I want you to write this down. That which is valuable has to be earned. That which is valuable has to be earned. You have to win. The way to get a victory is you have to be in a battle. Anything of value has to be fought for. You have to be prepared to pay the price. Here's the second key thought I want you to grab. Don't settle for less. Do you believe settling for less honors God? Have a think about this. The second part of Luke chapter 12 verse 48 says this. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. In other words, God is expecting you to appreciate that which he has given you. That word appreciate means to add value to it. To understand this, we need to understand real estate. Think about this. If you buy a brand new car, brand spanking new, and you drive it off the parking lot where you just bought it, I mean, just in that one moment, you have now lost thousands of dollars for nothing less. Nothing's changed, just a few meters. That makes a huge difference. That's what we call depreciate. But when you buy house and land and property, it will appreciate. It gains value. And so God is saying in this verse, to whom much is given, much will be required. He's saying, I am expecting more from you. You may have been given a little, and you think it's just a little, but it's a lot. But even then, God is expecting an increase from what he has entrusted you with. Can I hear a shout out for the Lord today? Some of you need to tap that person next to you and say, come on, come on, come on. It's time to pay the piper. Come on, come on, come on. Let's appreciate what God has given us. Here's a third thought I want you to grab hold of. God qualifies the disqualified. God qualifies the disqualified. You are worth more to God than you may see in yourself. Some of you are so beaten down. You can barely lift your head up in prayer to look into God's face because you think, I'm so not worth it. Not worth his breath and not worth his time. I want to tell you, God loves you so much. You matter to God. That the Bible tells us, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Do you know what that joy is? It's you. You matter that much to the Lord that you made his pain bearable. I want you to understand this. God did not disqualify his people. The giants did not disqualify his people. The land did not disqualify his people. They disqualified themselves. And perhaps today you feel, and you understand this, the pennies click. You've disqualified yourself from the race. You don't think you're good enough. You think that this is as far as I can, I've tried, but this is as far as I can get. Perhaps you may even be older among us folks. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I've had my years. There's no future now. No, brother, sister, as long as you live and have breath inside of you, there's more that God has for you. You may not be able to see beyond today, but God sees the end from the beginning. He knows everything that you were about to achieve, and he has this to say about you. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, no eye has seen. 
No ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Here's another thought, and I'll finish with this one. Focus on God's big, not on your small. Focus on God's big and not on your small. I found out some interesting things about grasshoppers that I wanted to share with you. And I thought to myself, wow, after reading this, even what they said made no sense at all. Have a listen to this. Grasshoppers can breed several generations in one year. For us humans, 30 years is a generation. For some, we'll say 40 years. But anyway, 30 years. But for grasshoppers, several generations in one year. The largest recorded locust swarm was one formed by the now extinct Rocky Mountain locust in 1875. The swarm was 2,900 kilometers long and 180 kilometers wide. That's massive. And one estimate puts the number of locusts involved at 3.5 trillion. Now put this all together. An adult Locusts can eat about two grams of plant material each day. Now you times two grams by, what did I say? 3.5 trillion. The people of Israel at that point, at the beginning of the journey, numbered approximately 1.2 million people and multiplying and growing rapidly. You see, the 10 spies focused on themselves But God was focusing on the nation. They were looking small, but God is looking big. I want you to say that out loud. I may be looking small, but God is looking big. And God sees the big picture. You know, it's so important as a church we understand, church is not about just one person. It's about all of us collectively together. We can make a difference in this city. If you believe that, shout amen and type that in the reply. We believe that God is going to use us for crazy and mighty things. We've seen this. It's been prophesied time and time again. Let me give you another fact about grasshoppers. A large grasshopper, such as a locust, can jump about a meter. That's 20 times its own body length without using its wings. Think about that. Imagine being able to jump that far as a human being. Joshua 23, verse 9 to 11 says this. For the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you, and no one has yet been able to defeat you. This is going 40 years in the future. Each one of you will put to flight a thousand of the enemy. For the Lord your God fights for you just as he has promised. So be careful. Here's a warning. Be careful to love the Lord your God. Perhaps some of the challenges you're facing in life is because you've forgotten how to love God, to make him the absolute priority in your life. The Bible says, those who love me obey my commands. That if you obey his commands, God will able, be able to carry out the miracles that he has for your life. That one grasshopper could jump so far, the Bible says, one can put a thousand to flight. This is also found in Joshua. I just read this. But two can put 10,000 to flight. Three can put 100,000 in God's economy, right? Four can put a million. And you can see exponential, an exponential power just by us working together. Here's a third thought I want you to learn about grasshoppers. It's powerful. 
When grasshoppers appear in dreams, these have been interpreted as symbols of freedom, independence, spiritual enlightenment, inability to settle down, or commit to decision. Sounds good, but a person devoid of the leadership of God in their life, devoid of the partnership we can enjoy with the Father, are on their own. So think about this. The ten spies were revealing the rebellion in their own hearts when they saw themselves as grasshoppers. They were independent of God. They thought that they had their own enlightenment. And they refused to commit to a decision and it cost them their lives. And through their bad report, this is the worst part. We get one sour grape that starts talking to others and poisoning them. The Bible says that that entire generation that believed them and heard them. In fact, everyone believed them. Everyone lost hope. Everyone thought there's no way we can take that land. Every single one died in that desert. I was thinking about the new building that we're about to enter into. I got to tell you, it's, it is requiring faith of me. It's requiring faith of you. It's requiring faith from all of us as a church. And I was thinking about, my goodness, I'm trying to work out the negotiations. We have now received and I've signed a letter of offer. The lease is pending now. We're about to receive that and we'll sign it off. But the main key was we can agree to these terms. And I remember you're looking at this thing, oh God, this is just so big for us. I know I've worked it out. It's still going to require faith for us to step into that. Can we do this, Lord? And I want to share a journal with you from April 13. As I was considering whether it was me that was wanting this building more than us as a church, is God really speaking? Is this God or is this just Paul or is this just Paul and Tanya? Who's, who's driving this? And the Lord spoke to me in Psalm 26, verse 8. It was just a simple verse that popped out. I love your sanctuary, King David wrote. I love your sanctuary. Sanctuary was God's house. The place where your glorious presence dwells. And I wrote this that day. David recognized the house of God, a location. It was a a peculiar place is precious because God's glory dwells there. It's not that God is constrained to one place at any one time, but it's that God has always used certain places and called it holy. The Bible tells us that Moses saw a burning bush and as he approached closer, God spoke out from the bush and said, take off your shoes for the ground you're standing on is holy ground. That place was holy. The Bible tells us that Jacob slept in a, a particular spot and had this open heaven vision of angels ascending and descending. And he realized when he woke up, surely this is the house of God. And I wasn't even a aware of it and he set up a memorial to make sure he remembered that's where God dwells by the way uh, some scholars will say that's where the temple uh, in Jerusalem was uh, uh, eventually built and in fact years later indeed God gave the plans and David built it on that spot it's not about the roof it's not about the building of the side but there's something special when God says I am calling that spot holy 
holy unto me. And the Lord is speaking to me saying, build me a place for my glory to dwell. And where the glory of God is, there's signs, there's wonders, there's miracles, there's lives that are saved. There are lives that are turned around. Hope is restored. People can dream again. I want to be part of that place. I want to be where the glory of God is. The pursuit of a building for life city is important for us to establish a place where God's glory can dwell in the heart of a suburb that has very few church buildings. It will be a place where the strong presence and glory of God can dwell and it will come upon the guests in that vicinity. I believe that as people walk past, God is going to touch them. The Bible tells us people would bring up sick people, and hoping that the shadow of the apostles would fall upon them and they would be healed. I believe the presence of God will emanate from this place because of the prayer and the worship and the hearts of sacrifice that will come in this house is going to pour out into this community. And once again, God spoke to me this week from Deuteronomy 7.21. He said, no, do not be afraid of those nations. Do not be afraid of this lease for the Lord your God is among you and he is a great and awesome God. Today, I want to speak to you and I want you to speak to yourself. If you can repeat after me, just stand up right where you are. And can you say with me, I refuse to see myself as small. Go ahead and say that. I refuse to see myself as small. I refuse to be intimidated. Come on and say it out loud. I refuse to be intimidated. I refuse to check out. I refuse to check out. I refuse to accept mediocrity. I refuse to accept mediocrity. I refuse to think less of myself. I refuse to think less of myself. And say this, I am a child of God. I am a child of promise. And God lives in me, and I will live for him. If you agree with me right now, go ahead and say amen and put it on that chat right now so we can follow up with you. Come on, let's bring glory to the Lord right now. And I want to ask something of you just before I pray. Can you take your phones out right now, your smartphones, and gather together as a family or if you've got a collection of families and take a photo and capture this moment right now. This is Live City Church's fourth birthday. We are promise of God. We never knew that we were going to come together until four years later and here we are. Can you capture this moment and would you please upload it or send it to me? You can send it to yes at livecitychurch.com and I'll receive that. We want to collate these things. We want to remember today because we couldn't celebrate together in one place. But you know what? We're spread out across the city. The prayers of the saints spread out across this city. Come on. Let's pray together in Jesus name. Father, we thank you for Live City Church. We thank you that we have been called to this holy place. And we declare this is a place where the glory of God dwells. We thank you, Lord God, for this property that you have secured for us. And Father, Father, we pray through miracles, signs, and wonders. You will bless our people. You will increase us, Lord God, that you'll make a mockery of every thought we ever had. We're thinking, can we do this? Can we do this? Lord, we pray that you will overshadow that lease that we need to pay and be even greater and bigger and bolder because that is the kind of God you are. Father, as we see these giants, we say you are small in the sight of God. My God, the earth is his footstool and you are nothing compared to my God. So, Father God, we come into agreement right now as a church. 
Let your church grow. Let your church progress. And Lord God, we will build you a sanctuary for your glory to dwell. We say as a church, yes, and amen on earth as it is in heaven. If you agree with me, say amen in the chat right now. And I want to speak to you, those of you today who are listening to this broadcast or to this live stream. Perhaps you're watching this on our YouTube channel. I want to tell you that God has been speaking to you. Perhaps you've never made a decision for Jesus before, but you feel something's changed about you. There's hope that sparked inside of you. You're dreaming again. You know there is a hope and a future for you. I want to lead you in a prayer so you can take that next step by inviting Jesus into your heart. He's the only one that can turn things around. Perhaps you have made a decision for Jesus before, but you've lost your way. I want you to pray with me as well. Can you say this prayer with me right where you are in your living room, in your car? Let's pray together. I'll start. You repeat. Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I could not live up to your standards. You call that sin. But you love me so much that you left heaven and came to earth to die for me my punishment. So I'm asking you now, Jesus, forgive me. Take away my sins and remove that guilt I'm feeling. Give me your spirit so that I can live for you. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, this might be a 10th time, a 100th time, it doesn't matter. Congratulations. God is living in your heart right now. You ask for his spirit to dwell there. And I want to lead you on a journey where you can grow stronger with the Lord. We can find out more about him and perhaps to allow the Lord to begin turning things around in your life. If you would like that, can you please write to me at yes at livecitychurch.com. We want to thank you for tuning in today to our broadcast. And I pray the Lord blesses you heaps from this message today and from the worship. And if this ministry is making a difference in your life, can you please drop us a note and just say thanks, write to thanks at livecitychurch.com. God bless you. Happy birthday, Live City Church. Thank you for joining Live City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.